Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 24th of January 2013. For newcomers, as always, please help yourself to the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and you can download lots of free audios and transcripts too for print-up from the site there. And remember too, you are the audience that bring me to you. I go through the system of the history that you're living in and uh, the history of the system and I tell you how it started, uh, those big foundations behind it, the guys who created the foundations, what their whole goal was over a hundred years ago and how they've worked at it very, very steadily since. Remember a foundation, like Quigley himself said, can last hundreds of years and governments come and go of all party, doesn't matter. The foundations carry on with their same agendas and eventually they get everything done. It's quite simple in that case, isn't it? So anyway, you're living through a planned society, a planned new formed world order. Uh, they call it the, the Great Transition, different names for it, and uh, it's all in place now. And you're going through the, the Great Transitions as we speak, in fact, and it's going to carry on for quite some time. As the, your whole way of living is turned upside down, and government officials uh, get on board and, and, and multiply and start to run your life minutely minute detail for your new type of living, commutarian living, living. It's also, it's also to do with uh, austerity and uh, post-consumerism and uh, all your extra cash is to get spent on energy and basic essentials, etc. And the ones at the top say that's the way it should have always been, except with this darn thing called rights and freedoms and, and we have to get taught that we don't have any at all. It's, it's that simple, really. So help yourself to the website. Remember, too, you bring me to you, and you can buy the books and discs there at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and help me take along here. And the books are worth reading anyway because it gives you a different spin on the chronology of the system, the art of dealing with billions of people and conning them for thousands of years. And from the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office. You can send cash or use PayPal. Across the world, you've got Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal. And straight donations are really, really awfully welcome as they go through hyperinflation or quantitative easing, as they prefer to call it. And we truly are on the road to change. And uh, the change has been going on for a long time. Uh, they've, they've followed for years the Communist Manifesto because they wanted a world where you'd all be slaves to the system and no private property. Uh, the d- destruction of the family unit, and then the government then be in charge of each individual. There'll be no families involved in between them or standing up for individuals. And H.G. Wells went through that a long time ago, and he thought that was the ideal situation where the big screen is looking down to you and a picture on it to his big brother, and they tell you what to do, just like they had in George Orwell's 1984. That's where they want to go with it all. And uh, that way, too... Uh, they want to indoctrinate you through the type of schooling you've already had, actually, which is groupthink and consensus on things. School is not to teach you to live and survive. 
independently is there to do social engineering to serve the big system. And there's lots of good books out on that subject and how it was done, what they're taught in school and so on. Teachers go along with it because they're prostitutes. They're well-paid prostitutes in every country. Because Stalin said you've got to pay the army well, the police well, and the teachers, because the teachers indoctrinate the next generation of children in order to indoctrinate them for this complete faith in the state system. And as I say, we're, we're on it. In a, we've gone through so many changes, so many revolutions, most of them cultural revolutions, and most folk adapted and adapted. And then the fallout of these revolutions to help destroy the old system, and in came the abortion units, and uh, and then you've got all this massive um, new types of uh, divorce uh, counsellors and so on, making fortunes off you. There's always a lot of work for lawyers whenever these big changes go on as they destroy the family unit and the country too. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and I don't know if people know that the Supreme Court is considering if silence can be evidence of guilt. And it says here that... um, the Supreme Court Friday agreed to consider whether a suspect's refusal to answer police questions prior to being arrested and read his rights can be introduced as evidence of guilt at his subsequent murder trial. With a comment, the court agreed to hear the, the appeal of Genoveva Salinas, who was convicted of murder and sentenced to 20 years in prison, December 1992, deaths for two brothers in Houston. And it says he voluntarily answered police questions for about an hour, but he became silent when asked whether shotgun shells found at the crime scene would match a gun found at his home. An officer testified that Salinas demonstrated signs of deception. So the whole thing's about do you have the right to silence or not? And it's in Supreme Court's hands right now, for those who don't know, as things really change. And... Also, I might put this too, these wind turbines are going up everywhere, and I've got someone sent me eating the Greenpeace uh, grids that they've put a lot of cash into. For Many of them get fed a lot of cash to them by the foundations. But uh, obviously they made an awfully big, uh, uh, a good PDF actually, uh, on this new grid they want to do all over Europe and, and the world for that matter, as they want to connect all things together, all lines together. And the idea being, of course, that uh, energy is going to be the thing of the future. Uh, you have one big world energy company eventually, one water company worldwide, and one food one, one that's where we're supposed to go. Even Karl Marx talked about that this kind of kind of system can lead to it. So this is where they're going with it all. But they're building all these ridiculous wind turbines that don't last very long. And and when the power they produce is just you're going to pay a fortune for anything that comes out of these turbines. Even pay when they get switched off. It's just incredible how they make such much money. But Ireland is to build giant wind turbines to power UK homes. They want to put the line under the sea to Britain and uh, and, and use this. It says, so the UK and Irish ministers were to take a sign an agreement that could see some of the world's largest wind turbines built across the Irish Midlands. Make, make an awful noise to these things. Remember when killing all the birds. It says, stretching more than 600 feet, which is 180 metres in the air. The towers are set to generate energy for millions of UK homes from 2017. The companies involved see the Irish powers as a cheaper form of renewable than the UK offshore wind. 
but environmentalists have described this scheme as crazy. They say it risks damaging Ireland's landscape. Well, well, of course it's going to do that. And apart from that, you wouldn't want to walk through there with the noise and the magnetic field that's <laughs> in there too. Under the plan, a number of companies are seeking to erect hundreds of wind turbines across the boggy Midlands off Ireland, and the power journey will be transferred to UK. And... Um, so they always give you a great thing, how much you can save so much money and all that kind of stuff. And it always does the opposite. It costs the taxpayers a lot of cash. But this is, uh, this is the agenda. And the, it's just like the old Soviet Union, because we're in that kind of system, because the boys run the banks also run, run the Soviet system. They merge the two together. And when they get an idea in their heads and make a plan, no matter how ridiculous it is, they'll, they'll stick at it. Stick at it to the, to the bitter end. Also tonight, I'm putting up a link to this article here says, Parents, beware Gates Dollars Connections. It says, Teachers, you better watch out too. And it says, um, It's the massive data collection system funded by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation will put your children's data up for auction. And why hasn't your PTA told you about any of this? And it says, To teachers, this is the massive data system funded by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They'll put all the students' data up to the highest bidder and eat you alive. Why hasn't your union told you about any of this? And to the media, why don't you ever question anything that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation does? And it says, we're now seeing the real purpose of the Common Core. It's all about data mining and selling, not curriculum. It's all about the technology. Shared Learning Collaborative is called One More Gates Venture announces that the technology being developed will support the implementation of the Common Core State Standards. So they want to standardize everything. It's an indoctrination program for your schools. That's what it is. And help states and districts provide teachers with the instructional data and tools needed to make personalized learning the norm in every classroom. So just notice that personalized learning has a very Gatesian definition. And this is, uh, and it goes on and on and on. This is led by the Association of Educational Publishers and Creative Commons and funded by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation. See, the foundations bypass all governments. They are a parallel government when you put them all together. The LRMI has developed a common metadata framework for describing or tagging learning resources on the web. This framework is a key first step in developing a richer, more fruitful search experience for educators and learners. What it does is select them for you so you get the ones they want you to have. And it's all indoctrination, basically. So I'll put this up tonight at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Now, I've mentioned before that the five big agri-food businesses have to take over the world, already pretty well have taken over the world's food supply, as the government helps them put all the smaller farmers under. They've been doing that for years. And and eventually these five will become one if they're not really one already, but the top shareholders are all the same guys anyway. But it says the global front groups of the Agenda 21 programs, which was formalized during the UN's 1992 Air Summit, is proud to welcome Monsanto as its newest member, joining the likes of such sustainable businesses as Coca-Cola, Dutch Royal Shell, and other global leviathans. The World Business Council for Sustainable Development has put out a press release announcing that Monsanto has joined the effort for global sustainable development. The council consists of several global, global mega pro, uh, companies such as Dutch Shell and so on. 
It says the press release notes that by joining the Council, Monsanto is taking an important step along a continuum towards developing a more sustainable agricultural system, which, of course, is their system. That's what they want. So you buy their seeds, you buy their chemicals worldwide, and they've got everyone at their mercy once you take them. Because you've got to go back every year. You can't save your seeds. you got to go back and buy the seeds every year. Back to tenant farming again, eh? And it says, um, President of the WBCSD, Peter Backer, stated that a future vision is required to move to protect soils, enhance ecosystems, and optimize land use in ways that are environmentally sound. They always use that prattle. We've been trying to sell an idea. We must move towards a future vision for agriculture where absolutes become as out of place as a one-size-fits-all approach to farming. And Jerry Steiner, Executive Vice President, Sustainability and Corporate Affairs at Monsanto, said, We are excited to join WBCSD and connect with a global coalition of more than 200 companies that advocate for progress on sustainable development. And progress, they have their own meanings for progress, as you know. And it means they, when they, they eventually take over the whole system. And... Uh, it says the global coalition Steiner speaks about consists of just about all global mega corporations, and here's an overview of the membership list as posted on the WBCBSD's website. It says, and it goes, it goes on about um, uh, the whole bunch of them. Does uh, Agenda 21 is part of a One World Vision? And further warrant says the WBCSD describes it as has roots in the proactive stance. They're all proactive, of course, and, and visionary and, you know, and, and sustainable stance adopted by a group of visionary business leaders during and after the Rio summit. Well, they'd all planned out before the summit with Maurice Strong and, uh, everything's done in the way I had to just with these summits to sign agreements that, that lawyers drafted up for years. So the Rio Summit of 92 was a defining event for sustainable development. It added developmental or development to the environmental agenda, produced the Rio Declaration, the Climate Change and Biological Diversity Conventions, and set in motion Agenda 21. Importantly, it positioned business as a key actor. And it's true, that's what they put all these things through from, from a private organization. Maurice Strong, with, with the Rio Summit, have changed our whole lives for us including all the global warming and that, because they took all the stuff from the Club of Rome that's in with them as well, and, and to change the way that we live, and so on and so on. And to help these big agribusinesses get massive funding from you, the taxpayer, to develop the seed which they then own, and they patent it and own it, and then they can dose it with as much chemicals as they want to, which kills you down the road, of course, and on the brain killing a lot of other things too. But it also... Cost of fortune, it's theirs, and you've got everybody over a barrel. It's the only stuff you can use on these particular crops. It's theirs, and then they sell all these seeds as well. It's, it's ridiculous. It's subservience. And it's actually servile. You go back to the serf idea. This is adding a global GM food producer, Monsanto, to its roundtable equals victory for Agenda 21, as the global food production is a client... A uh, prime concern as formulated during the 92 Era Summit. Peter Backer, the Council's President, recently gave a speech in London for Prince Charles, stating he is delighted to be able to announce that the WBCSD will collaborate with the Prince of Wales, accounting for sustainability program and conver- convening a forum for CFOs and accountants to discuss and develop scaled-up solutions for finance and reporting in the run-up to 2020. And it goes on for quite a bit, actually. It's quite a long uh, article. But anyway, 
I'll put it up. And for those who care what they're eating and where it's all going, uh, you can read it for yourselves. In Australia, it says here that uh, gun control lobby begins attack on bolt action rifles, it says. The gun control lobby may have signaled the start of its campaign to ban bolt action rifles in Australia after worrying comments from gun researcher Philip Alpers. Alpers, speaking at ABC TV, turned the focus of gun control away from mass shootings and focused instead on domestic violence, suicide and rifles that shoot one bullet. Well, it's just a step by step till you've got nothing. That's the whole point of it. They've, they've always been at this kind of thing. So you can't really even start in the beginning. It says, guns are a bit like a virus, he said on ABC TV. You clamp down on one type of gun, another one pops up, and you have to deal with that. He's highlighted the fact that Australian insurers have bought as many rifles as was destroyed during gun buybacks and analysis since 1996, and he puts the figure at one million. And has been uh, spruiking the line that it only takes one bullet and a number of comments to be to the media, it says. And mind you, I mean, most of the crime now is robberies have gone up 40% since they banned most guns in Australia. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and... I'll also put up tonight uh, an article from the Washington County Sheriff's Office in Utah. And it says here that, um, it says, We, the elected sheriffs of Utah, like so many of our fellow Americans, are literally heartbroken for the loved ones of the murdered victims in Connecticut. As Utahns, we are no stranger to this kind of carnage, one of the latest being the 2007 Trolley Square murders, where nine innocents were gunned down, uh, five losing their lives. We also recognize the scores of other recent domestic massacres which have decimated countless honorable lives and so on. Since with the number of mass shootings America has endured, it's easy to demonize firearms. It's also foolish and prejudiced. Firearms are nothing more than instruments, valuable and potentially dangerous, but instruments nonetheless. Malevolent souls like the criminals who commit mass murders will always exploit valuable instruments in the pursuit of evil. As professional peace officers, if we understand nothing else, we understand this lawful violence must sometimes be employed to deter and stop criminal violence. Consequently, the citizenry must continue its ability to keep and bear arms, including arms that adequately protect them from all types of illegality. As your administration and Congress continue to grapple with the complex issue of firearm regulations, we pray that the Almighty will guide the people's representatives collectively. For that reason, it's imperative this discussion be had in Congress, not silenced unilaterally by executive orders. As you deliberate, please remember the founders of this great nation created the Constitution and its accompanying Bill of Rights in an effort to protect citizens from all forms of tyrannical subjugation. Says we respect the office of the President and of the United States of America, but make no mistake, as the duly elected sheriffs of our respectable counties, we will enforce the rights guaranteed to our citizens by the Constitution. No federal official will be permitted to descend upon our constituents and take from them what the Bill of Rights, in particular Amendment 2, has given them. We, like you, we, like you, swore a solemn oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, and we're prepared to trade our lives for the preservation of its traditional interpretation. And that's from the Utah Sheriff's Association. 
And so other states are joining in with this too. I really wonder if Obama did swear an oath to the Constitution, because the first time he got in, he fluffed it or something, and had to do it in private afterwards. Well, we don't know what he said in private, and I think he did the same thing again this time. Now, the children have been getting an injection of vaccine, very young children, called Infanrix. And it says, Infanrix kills and maims but GlaxoSmithKline hid it from doctors and patient, parents. And it says here that um, they wanted to keep the public from knowing about the adverse effect of their Infanrix vaccine. The secret report slipped out and it's revealing it validates the recent study showing that multiple vaccine doses increase the death rate by 50%. But there's no real change to the safety advice, even though they know all this. And it says Infarynx is a vaccine that was released without any serious testing for safety, in spite of the fact that it contains antigens of six diseases for injection into babies as young as two months. In a cosy relationship with government, GlaxoSmithKline was able to keep information about harm from the public. Fortunately, that secrecy was broken with the leak of a report given to the Belgian government. It delineates 1,742 adverse events associated with Infarynx. And it says the adverse effects were reported to GSK, as GlaxoSmithKline. The information is not pretty, especially when you realize that the vast majority of vaccine injuries are never reported and that deaths counted included only sudden death. First, though, let's just take a quick look at what the report admitted happened over the two-year period from October 2009 through October 2011. It says... Um, it says 825 adverse effect effects were identified. 36 deaths occurred. Adverse events inc- included autism. It's when the, the baby's progressing normally, has the shots and then lapses way back and doesn't say dad, dad, mama. Encephalitis, and uh, that's in your brain, and um, uh, heart failure. Uh, gaze palsy, which is indicative of neurological damage. Gastrointestinal hemorrhage, jaundice. Mental retardation. Class is not serious. That's what they put down. It's not serious. It's not their children, of course, the doctors. Removal of part of the intestine also defined as not serious. Uh, Apisthotonus, yet again labeled as not serious. Paralysis, Guillain-Barre syndrome, convulsions, and many more. Naturally, all the reported events were actually caused by the Infernix GSK, reported that the number of reported adverse events was only 14.6 per 100,000. However, as reported by Initiative Citoyen, uh, the doctor's uh, publication, Revue Francaise du Praxisien, reports that the figure is likely only 1 to 10% of the reality. So the expect is far, far bigger. Then they talk about spinning and twisting the results, which this is common practice. This is on page 11 of the report. Uh, GlaxoSmithKline unequivocally states that they're the arbiters of what constitutes a serious event. As noted above, though, they classified mental retardation, opus thotonus, and re- removal of part of the intestine as not serious. <laughs> this is for two-month-old baby. You have to wonder just how twisted other aspects of the report might be, and we don't need to go far to see. GSK decided to add only one reference of additional risk to the reference safety information. The only thing they decided to add was syncope, which is fainting, and even then they attempted to minimize it by stating syncope fainting can occur following or even before any vaccination as a psychogenic response to the needle injection. It's important that procedures are in place to avoid injury from faints. 
Now, babies generally don't faint because they don't know what's going to come next. It's adults who tend to pass out. And then it goes all through the different symptoms like Gale's palsy and everything else. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back, cutting into the matrix. Also tonight too, everything's been co-opted. You understand there's a big agenda with the, with the so-called far left, which works with the far right, because it's all the same people at the top who run them all, you see, to get them all in the same direction. That's how you, it's like two sheepdogs, you understand, with the herd of sheep. And they work together, one on one side and one on the other, and between the two they can guide the sheep up in a straight line into the pen. That's how the dialectic works, basically. It's been that for a long, long time. This is the Girl Scouts are head a pro-abortion conference. They head it, right, with Planned Parenthood, YWCA, it says. This is, um, it's time for American parents to wake up to the fact that the Girl Scouts were hijacked by the liberal feminist agenda long ago and put their daughters in a safe conservative alternative like American Heritage Girls instead. And it goes through what's been happening and how they attended this big meeting in, in Bali or somewhere uh, all together just last month, in fact. And on the steering committee, they had um, they had the Girl Guides Committee on the steering committee for this planned abortion system. This is the organized priorities were clear from the opening statements given by the two youth members of the steering committee, both of whom are employed by pro-abortion organizations. They urge that safe abortion services be accessible to young women and that gender should be viewed as not in a binary. A definition of binary is a whole composed of two. Also on the steering committee were representatives of the International Planned Parenthood Federation World YWCA and the World Association of Girl Scouts and the Girl Guides, as well as members of the Indonesian government that hosted the event. I think they also, at that event, it's not in this part I can find here, but I think they also promoted the legalization of uh, the sex industry workers. I think that was all part of it too. So ever it gets used, understand? You understand, if you belong to an organization, you're going to get used. If you can be used for anything at all, they'll infiltrate and use you. Yeah. Yesterday, too, I mentioned about the, uh, is the kind of arrogance that's coming out now from people who are putting government power over people. Because this is the new system. It's all to do with power, isn't it? Uh, you obey and they say. And it says you can spot the poor. They're the fat ones eating breakfast buns, health minister says. Obesity is linked to the class. It's your class, you see. And so the health minister in Britain, Anna Sobri, has risked controversy by claiming that she can spot poor people in the street because they're usually overweight. The Conservative MP, with responsibility for public health, said a culture of unhealthy TV dinners and junk food has eroded family life, and many homes no longer even have a dining table. Well, there's very few families with two parents in it, so mum doesn't cook. Generally, if there's only just one daughter popping in and out, she might not even be there half the time. 
Then P for Broxstow, Nottinghamshire, Nottinghamshire said, when I go to the, my constituency, when I walk around, you can almost now tell someone's background by their weight. Also, too, all these food banks, it's mainly high carbohydrate stuff they give out, those craft diets and stuff. And so that's what the folk live on. But the less cash they have, they, they try and fill their stomachs with um, high carbohydrate diets. So obviously not everyone who's overweight comes from deprived backgrounds, but that's where the propensity lies. She also said that on her way to the House of Parliament, she sees children eating breakfast buns from fast food shops, a change from when she was younger and poor pupils were skinny runks. Well, when she was a bit younger, I think they also had mother making a breakfast, you see. So as usual stuff, you always blame. What they do, you see, it's like, it's like a sadistic farmer. And the guys at the top call themselves good shepherds. They want to rule the world, you understand. And everyone else, we were all the animals. And it's like they come along and they, they break the legs of the cow and the cow falls down. And then they kick the cow because it can't get up. You see? It's your fault. It's the cow's fault. Same thing here. Same thing here. <laughs> and so many people in Britain too, they certainly can't afford the meats. You see the price of meat nowadays? They're trying to phase it out, make it more expensive, except some of the wealthy ones, like this health minister, can afford it. And that'll be on her expenses anyway, I'm sure. And also the IMF. Now, the IMF was set up by the Royal Institute of International Affairs. They set up the World Bank Organization and the big bank at Davos, Switzerland, to oversee it all. That was the plan, as the World Bank is where to take over the world at this phase, too, by the way. And um, uh, the IMF would be the big heavy guy who would come in when you owed cash to the World Bank. And they would uh, start running your politics for you and tell you what to do and how to handle your economy. And that's what they do. They come in and then they manage you and they cut you to the bone. The healthcare system, tuberculosis goes up. All the different things go up like crazy because they can't get treatments until they bring down their debts and so on. So the IMF's Olivier Blanchard, Olivier Blanchard, it says, time for the UK to consider Plan B. So the IMF chief economist has told the BBC that Chancellor George Osborne should consider slowing down austerity measures in his March budget. We think this would be a good time to take stock, he says, speaking to the Radio 4's Today programme. He also said the global economy was not out of the woods yet. Well, of course it's not, because I just mentioned that at Davos in Switzerland. And it says, um, last October, for instance, he says that the austerity had hurt wealthy countries such as the UK far more than most analysts had expected. You know, it's the most disgusting thing when they, when they use countries, like the names of countries. Most folk in Britain are not wealthy. You see, most folk are not wealthy. Uh, but this is how they project it to the world as well, that they're wealthy folk. It's all wealthy folk in Britain. No, they're not. Same in Canada, same in the States. So it's all con games anyway, isn't it? To, you know, beat us all dry. As Karl Marx said it too, it's one of the few honest things he said. He says, all true, uh, money, uh, creation of wealth, economics comes from the, la- from labor. Guys who make things. It's like Wall Street in the movie, where the guy ends up owning all these companies. He says, oh, we don't make anything, we just own them. That's how it is. These guys make money off of money, and it's you that creates the money, technically. It's labor. Also, too, from the Council on Foreign Relations, which is, again, just the American branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, 
is advocating a liberal world order, a strategy for aligning the world's like-minded and capable democracies. Really pushing this democracy idea. And it says, um, so Guy gives his introduction to it and so on, and goes through the big plan of uh, where democracy is supposed to go. And of course, it ties in with the neocons, the last neocons and Obama, because he's just carrying on the same agenda. And uh, the whole idea was to force democracies upon all the countries. And it doesn't work in some countries and cultures unless you totally destroy the people. I mean, I mean eliminate them. And they know that too. Because I've never had this idea of that. They run by different systems altogether. It's all family. It's all familial connections and so on. That's how some countries have run for thousands of years. But they're forcing democracy, which means they must get a central bank in, they must get in a system of voting, and then the same boys at the CFR can put in their presidents and prime ministers for them. And then they've got all the far-left ones in too. And then, as I say, they get this, their, their bank system going centralized, and they borrow from the, from the World Bank and the IMF, and then they're run by the globalists. That's the agenda. They will not leave anybody independent who doesn't owe money to the to the World Bank and the IMF. That's agenda. Now, everyone pretty well can tell, I hope they can tell, that in this phase that we're going through, the U.S. has brought in the communist side, you see. They've brought in the neocons, which really is a very big deception if you know what a neocon is, and the history of all the guys behind Bush, and the connections, and the country that they promoted, which was not the America at all. But Obama's carrying it on. And it's putting in the whole, but the whole communistic agenda through the states for the people back home, you see. Because that's what, that's the system now. You have to be run by massive government agencies from birth to death. And you'll have privileges if you can afford to pay for the fees and licensing for privileges. And you're going to get taught that very much so you have no rights at all. And, uh, and that's part way to the new system that they're all pushing. There's no difference in parties and agendas. The same people who ran Bush ran run Obama. But it says Obama's new French economic advisor has faith in redistribution of wealth, it says. See? And this is France education and, and so on. French Esther Duflo, 36 professor of economics at MIT University, and a founding member of the Jamil Poverty Action Lab, J-PAL, it's called, gives an inaugural lecture of the International Chair for Knowledge on Poverty at the College de France, a major French educational institute in Paris, and they show where she worked there in 2009. So the French economist selected by President Barack Obama to serve as one of his top second-term global development advisors. See, global development is the redistribution of your, your wealth, the ticket off you, and you understand that is the Marxian concept to give it to so-called third world countries. And um, so anyway, she's one of the top in the second term global development advisors reportedly has faith in redistribution supported far left wing political theories and leaders and provided an intellectual framework for French socialist president Francois Hollande's electoral victory. Records reveal. They're international now. It's open now. They'll just travel across the globe and where will we send our next? We'll send her to the U.S. Obama announced his intent late last month to appoint the French economist and MIT professor, uh, to flow to the President's Global Development Council. 
And uh, it says, a new governmental advisory board that Obama created by executive order last year. New communism by executive order. Obama announced bond investor Mohammed L. A. L. Arian as his pick to chair the council. The council will be comprised of no more than 12 individuals from a variety of sectors outside the federal government, including, amongst others, institutions of higher education, non-profit, and philanthropic organizations, civil society, and private industry. What it means is the big NGOs that work for the foundations, they're all on board with all of this. Because there's only one agenda, you understand. And philanthropic organizations, that's the foundations themselves that run all the NGOs. And remember, too, a few years back, Rockefeller himself, uh, Rockefeller himself said there was time for the philanthropists to join in ruling the world. Do you vote for them? No. Does it matter? No, because it's just put through by executive order. The council will inform and provide advice to the president and other senior U.S. officials on U.S. global development policies and practices. Duflo, who is 40 years old, is the Abdul Latif Jamil Professor of Poverty Alleviation and Development Economics at the MIT and the co-founder and director of the Abdul Latif Jamil Poverty Action Lab, which was initially funded by Saudi billionaire Mohammed Abdul Latif Jamil. Well, why doesn't the Saudi guy fund all this instead? Duflo's appointment by Obama might have directly uh, political motivations. During socialist Francois Hollande's successful 2012 French presidential campaign, his three voter mobilization strategists, all former Harvard or MIT students, applied theories they first learned from Duflo, whose experiments, uh, when applied to electioneering, had quantified the ability of a single door knock to deliver a vote, like mass marketing. The tactics behind Hollande's campaign operation aimed at non-voters was first employed by Obama's 2008 campaign, and were most fully realized during Obama's 2012 campaign when a powerful voter database enabled Obama staffers to register new voters based on demographic and behavioral trends. The tactics helped alter the very nature of the electorate in 2012, according to the New York Times, making it younger and less white, it says here. So everything's going according to plan. Outlandish courses at college and universities... This is the public school, Dirty Dozen. And this is the public undergraduate institution in the United States. Down the matter, the majority of American college grads in a sacred trust, even if classes are typically large and red tape, is often stifling. It's one thing for students at places like Harvard University and Duke University to enroll in frivolous courses, even at a time when college costs and youth unemployment are alarmingly high. It's quite another thing altogether when blatant liberal bias appears constantly in classrooms at taxpayer-subsidized universities. And it's another thing still when the other side simply isn't presented. The anti-capitalist, race-based, orthodox feminist, and global warming-themed courses found at virtually every prestigious public university would be far less disturbing if they were offset by a discussion of conservative ideals. Professors consistently ignored the likes of F.E. Hayek and Milton Friedman. Instead, students are routinely led to, to study John Maynard Keynes and assigned readings by Karl Marx. Where the classes are, that give an honest portrayal of Ronald Reagan as one of the most valued presidents of the post-World War II era. Where are the classes that propose an honest discussion of conservatism? The tradition of the Dirty Dozen began in 1995. Since then, Young America's Foundation has publicized courses at public universities such as How to Be Gay, that's the University of Michigan, and apparently a perennial favorite all over, Black Marxism, University of California, and Santa Barbara. 
His courses and countless others like them did little to prepare young minds for the job market in a complex Western economy. They offer little real-world value at all outside of the academic bubble of the college campus. So today the Daily Caller concludes its presentation of Young Americans Foundation. The Dirty Dozen is time for elite public schools. The schools offering these courses are all ranked in the top 50 by U.S. News and World Report. Course descriptions are reprinted verbatim from the school's websites. At the University of Wisconsin, Madison, Gender and Women's Studies and Lesbian Culture. I've got the links here for it too. Exploration of lesbian culture and history, focus on the history, meaning and representations of relationships amongst women, critically analyzes the concepts of lesbian perspective, theory, aesthetic and sensibility. And then the University of, University of Texas, Austin, uh, Anthropology, Black Marxism, and it, it examines the 20th century approach to Marxism through black liberation tradition. It focuses on the works of key theorists and writers from Africa and the diaspora with an emphasis on expanding existing theories to incorporate analysis of gender and sexuality. The course explores political economies behind libidinal economies from 19th century enslavement to 21st century mass incarceration. And then this goes on and on. And I'll put this up as well for those who care. Mind you, they've been, since America was taken over by folk who came in from the, from Eastern Europe, in the, 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 the 30s and then a big mass of them in the, in the 50s, then putting three into universities is just accelerated from them. And not just in America and Britain elsewhere, and they were teaching open communism. And, of course, everyone knows that uh, uh, Leon Panetta is removing the military's ban on women serving in combat and so on and so on. And it's interesting, too, that... Uh, the British Army has dropped its fit- fitness standards. You know, the test you have to go through to allow more women to join. The fitness standards for British Army recruits, including men, have been reduced so that more women can join and equality targets can be met. It has been claimed. As his ma- Major Judith Webb, the first woman to lead an all-male field force in the Army, warned that standards would deteriorate further if the UK followed American allowing women soldiers to fight on the front line. Well... You know, they'll, they've all get brought up watching movies and all these, uh, they're all feminists now and, and, and the lead of, and the lead roles of all these sci-fi movies. And I'll back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the Matrix, talking about women in the army now. And it says here that, it says that this former officer who served in the 28th Signal Regiment in Germany and Cyprus said she'd come round to the idea of women serving in the roles of drivers or medics on the front line after the success in Afghanistan and Iraq. But Major Webb argued that women are not up to the exacting standards of close quarter combats, meaning facing men. I don't think we should have women in the infantry roles by opening up to women, are women shooting themselves in the foot because they're not going to be able to meet those standards, she said. She argued that it still shocked people when a woman soldier died in a war zone. The British public still don't accept women should be in such roles. I still think it's not benefiting them. And who can do such a thing, a good job, in so many different roles? So she, she, she made the remarks as the Pentagon was expected to announce that women would be allowed to serve in combat roles in U.S. military for the first time in what was been called a historic uh, step for equality. So they've dropped all the standards for it and, and like push-ups and all the rest of it and carrying heavy packs and climbing ropes and 
you know, parallel ropes as well, horizontal ones with big pack pups, and you'll all fall off and all that. So they don't bother uh, you're in and that's it. To fill quotas, you understand, because we're all the same apart. There's no difference in genders. And once they get into real cloning, they'll, they'll eventually go for the difference in heights and different people too, because that's not fair, you know. It's not fair that we're not all the same height. And it's not fair we're not all the same IQ and all these things, you see. Everything's not fair. It's just not fair at all. And that'll all have to be fixed. And chaos, of course, in the process, but that's what you always get with fanaticism. And that's what runs the world today. Uh, also in Britain, too, naturally, it says the UK suicide rates rises significantly in 2011. And the suicidal men, aged between 30 and 44, were most likely to take their own life and uh, it says that the number of people taking their own life arose, and it says some 6,045 people killed themselves in 2011, an increase of 437 since 2010. I think that's how they measured the economy these days, you know, because that's what they call it, financial depression. The highest suicide rate was amongst men between 13 and 44, but 23 men took, uh, per 100,000 took their own lives. On average, across both genders, 11.8 people per 100,000 published and killed themselves in 2011, up from 11.1 people the previous year. The ONS data revealed there was 4,552 suicides by men in 2011, more than three times the number by women, and the biggest and highest rate since 2002. The suicide rate amongst middle-aged men from 45 to 59 was also high, increasing from 21.7 deaths in 2006 to 22.2 deaths per 100,000. The figures come after the government's pledge last year to put a further £1.5 million towards research into suicidal prevention amongst high-risk groups. Just pay them more money and take the pressure off them and make sure there's work in the country instead of farming it all off abroad. Because that's not going to happen, is it? And also, the Assistant Attorney General admits on television in the U.S. that the U.S. justice does not apply to the banks. It's quite an interesting little article. This guy was on Walt, was on a TV show, apparently, and he, he and basically, he, this is what he said that um, uh, he, he he said that uh, he was worrying all the time about the banks and so on, and if that should put them to court, all the effects it would have and the spill off across the board and all the rest of it. So decided not to. So it doesn't affect him at all. Isn't that amazing? Eh? It's not really amazing, is it? And then, of course, with Monkey See, Monkey Do television, Sex TV, Boy 11 in Britain admits raping a six-year-old girl. This is going to get worse and worse, and it'll be the new normal shortly. From Hamish, myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your God's go with you.